Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Our God is good. Amen. Lord, take control today. Because we do. We surrender all to you. Most of us, a lot of us remember that day. For me, it was July 25th, 1977, when I surrendered all to you. The day I'll never forget. I know I tried to take things back over the years, but again, Lord, we believers who love you, we surrender everything to you because we know who you are. We know what you deserve, and we want you to have our lives because we know that you could do a better job with it than we can. We can mark history serving you. People might forget our name, but they'll never forget the name of Jesus after we're done. And that's the way we want it, for you to be high and lifted up and exalted, and for us to play a lower part where we just surrender all and allow you to live your life through us. Paul even wrote it for us. I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Live in us today, Lord. Let people see your shining, glorious face and actions and deeds in us as we serve you on this earth. Father God, open the door to people's hearts today as we read the scriptures and study the scriptures. Let them see and understand and hear what you have to say to them. Block out, Lord, all the demonic things that come against us. Blot out even the world and its cares and its riches, Lord, and just let us dwell and meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ and the great work he did for us on the cross so that we could have an eternal life with you in the kingdom of heaven. Father, the devil is bound, the Holy Spirit is loosed, and Jesus Christ is Lord in this church today. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. You may be seated. <clears throat> we got a new audience online. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. Get your Bibles out. I'm for, for the most part, I, I teach topically sometimes, but I'm more of an expositional teacher where you just grow in the knowledge. Today we're in 1 John chapter 1. We're going to do the first three to five verses. So uh, we'll read the five verses in there before we start. But for those online, Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, we're in Palm, Palm Beach, Florida, which is really Lantana area. We're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, which is just a quarter mile west of I-95. You know, um, and we're on the north side of the road. We're here every sa Sunday at 10 a.m., so come on by or tune in online, freedomchurchpb.org. For men, we have a men's Bible study every Saturday at 9 a.m., and we, we dive into the deeper things of God and get into some discussions, and, um, you know, it's always a, a good time. So uh, come on by if you're local. You'll, you'll love it. Um, Let's see, if you're online, you can go to our website, you know, on the web, freedomchurchpb.org. You can find out our beliefs. You can find out our address. You can find out our list of ministries. You can watch services from the years past. And you can even donate online, should the Lord leave you. And we thank you for that. It's time for all the people to give to their churches so we can 
get the gospel through all the world so that Jesus Christ is not postponed. Because I want to get out of here just as bad as you do. You know, I just can't wait to see the kingdom of heaven, but most of all, to look into the face of our Savior and see his gorgeous eyes. And anyway, we're not there yet, but we will be someday. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. You got your Bibles for those here and those online. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. I'm going to deviate from, we've been studying expositionally through the book of Matthew. We're in the 18th chapter, but since the holidays are upon us and Thanksgiving was last week, I broke into a thanks, Thanksgiving message on Sunday last week. This week, I didn't want to get to Matthew right away. What's really been on my heart is these first five verses in 1 John. I've been meditating on them for a long, long time. And... Uh, it's something that, that I think we lost some people, Christians, not everybody, but lost the reality of who Jesus is. Lost the reality of the apostles' writings that we should catch their sense of the presence of God when they wrote these things to, to the world as we know it over the centuries that have passed. So, we're going to deviate again for 1 John. Maybe we'll go back into Matthew next week, but the holidays are upon us. We're probably going to get into some, some uh, Christmas messages, you know, and if the Lord leads. But, you know, that's not necessarily true. We're not real here to do what we, we want to teach. Me, I try to look for what God wants me to teach. You know, and sometimes he takes you off the path into this passage here, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. And I'm going to read from the, uh, the New American, 1 through 5. And I'm going to read from the uh, New King James Version here, okay? I titled this message, Jesus is Real. A lot of people think he's not. They think he's a figment of their imagination or a storybook that you read to your children. You know, I tell everybody, the Bible is not a book of stories. Jonah was swallowed by the whale. It's not a story. David conquered Goliath. It's not a story. It's a truth. It's true. Even Jesus even, even acknowledged that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. He said, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will I be in the heart of the earth. He was actually verifying the Jonah's book. that He is true, and he was swallowed by a great fish. So this is truth that we're reading here today. So when you read to your children, you know, Bible stories, they're not Bible stories, they're Bible truths. It's true. Here's 1 John. We want to get back to that reality. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which, is, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, 
that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him, and declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I don't know if we'll get to all five verses. Maybe we will. I'm thinking more like three. We'll conquer them. That which was from the beginning, John says. If you get to go to the Greek, the word there in Greek is, is arche. Arche. So what arche really means is, is um, the beginning of time beginning of time. So even John in his gospel in, John, in verses 1, chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3, he says this, in the beginning, arche, the beginning of time, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning of time with God, and the Word of God, and Word was God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. That's archaic. We go to Genesis chapter 1 through 3. I'll just turn there and we'll read it. You've heard these verses before. Most people, when they get the Bible, they start in the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the Father. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hoovering over the face of the water. That's the Spirit. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And we just learned that Jesus is the Word of God. So we see Father, Son, Holy Spirit right in the first three verses of the Bible. We see a triune deity right there. But that word there in the beginning, you know, in in here... Um, is the is 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 um, Reshith, and Reshith is the beginning of time also. Well, let me clarify John chapter one, first John chapter one and verse one. The word NRK is it's beginning of time, but it's beyond it's beyond the beginning of time. It's before time ever began, and Jesus is saying that I was with the Father before. Before time began. So that puts him. If you ever heard of Phineas Dake, you ever hear of him? Phineas Dake? Phineas Dake was a Pentecostal preacher, charismatic. He lived from like 1902 to 1985. This book is a is a is a study book. It's a book of um, what can I say? Commentaries. He had to spend an entire life in this book to write it. And he lived, let's see, he's 80, born in 1902, he died in 1985, that puts him 83 years. This, this is not the first book he wrote. This is, this is a commentary on every verse of the Bible. In the middle, you know, you have, you have your scripture verses on the side and on the bottom, you have his commentary on everything. What Phineas Dake says is, is this word means from everlasting. He was in the beginning of 
time before everlasting, beyond the beginning of time. I like Phineas Dake. I, I, I practically use his book all the time. I got another book. It's called Wilmington's. A lot of pastors don't even know of these things. The, the book's falling apart. I mean, it's just terrible. I have to mark everything, you know, and make sure I can find it. But uh, just beautiful things you learn from these, from these guys. They've been studying the Word of God all their life. This guy was saved at 17. And he even, he did a, a map of the plan of the ages. And you don't want to purchase. I, I kind of squeezed it all together and everything. He wrote eight books, and uh, he gave a plan of, of everything that's happening through the Bible. You might not want to buy it because it costs $325. I'm not going to buy it. I'd like to buy it, but I'm not going to buy it. The guy studied the Word of God, and when he studied, it's from, he was from the beginning. He was from everlasting. He was from, other, from the beyond the beginning of time. And people don't realize that. Jesus actually verified that in John chapter five, uh, 17. John chapter 17, of course, is Jesus' high priestly prayer. And in the fifth verse, I'm going to read it, John 17. In the fifth verse, here's what Jesus says. And now he's praying to the Father, okay? He says, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world began. See, people just think that Jesus was just a nice person. He was a great teacher. He was definitely uh, compassionate. He definitely healed people. He was a great prophet. But the scriptures are very clear. He was more than a prophet. He was the Son of God. He was with God in the beginning. Before time ever began, he was with God. Jesus just mouthed the words in prayer to his Father when he's on earth, with the glory I had with you from the beginning. People don't realize that. You're going to realize, I want Jesus to become real to each and every one of us, that he is real. This is not a figment of your imagination. This is not a storybook. This is a truth. He was in the beginning with God, from the beginning. Micah 5, 1 and 2, you heard the, you know the prophecy. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, one is coming to you who is from old and ancient times. Micah. Last, probably the last book written 400 years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. Bethlehem was going to bring in the one who was from ancient days. If you read Dan Daniel chapter 7, you'll see God the Father addressed as the ancient of days. And the sun comes riding in on a cloud. And he puts to silence all the, all the horns that were making great blasphemous boasts against the Father and the Son. Hebrews 1.8 says, But your throne, O God, is forever. In other words, Jesus is eternal. Jesus is real. We need to have that reality. And our Buddha was a live person, but he wasn't God. He didn't even claim to be God. 
Muhammad, same thing. He never claimed to be God. Jesus claimed to be God. He was crucified because of all. Why was he crucified? Well, the, the reason he was crucified was nailed to the top of the cross above his head. Because he's the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. The Jews even went back and said, hey, change that, Pilate. Change it to he said he was king of the Jews. No. He says, I'm going to leave it the way it is because you know why? Inside, the Holy Spirit had control of this situation, and he wasn't going to allow it to be changed, so doubt could enter your heart. I remember Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, years ago. You know, um, they put a sign out there, Jesus is, is the Lord for Christmas. I think it was Jesus is, Jesus is Lord. The city came down on them. I was in the sign business then, so I know all this, okay? The city came in and says, you're going to have to take that sign down. So they had a big meeting. They finally ended up in a meeting that, that you don't have to take the sign down, but here's what we want you to say. Calvary Chapel says Jesus is Lord. Yeah, that's what they wanted them to do. And I think they did it. I don't remember that far back. I'm going back 20-some years, you know. But Calvary, no. The point is, from the Bible and what we're reading here, Jesus is Lord. He not said he was Lord. I mean, the world, you can't just say he's, yeah, well, what can I say? He is the Lord. You can't pretend like he's anything else. I don't care if you're the city of Fort Lauderdale or any other city or any other country or any other, other continent. Jesus is the Lord. He was from the beginning. He is eternal. Which we heard. Now, John is an eyewitness. Remember this. John is an eyewitness. And we know that he wrote five books of the Bible. It's the Gospel, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Revelation. He's telling you right here, which we have heard. He's an eyewitness. You know, John heard his voice. You know, wouldn't you like to hear the voice of Jesus? Really, wouldn't you? You would like to wonder what he, his voice has. Well, the, the Bible talks about thunderous, you know, his voice. I mean, it just, I, I think it's, for us that know him, I think it's a lot clearer than that. John heard his voice. He wants to share it with you and me. That he heard his voice. Please, don't take this lightly. He says, I heard him. I heard him. I heard his teachings. I saw his divine works, saw his divine healings and his deliverances. And they even heard his parables. In other words, and it's written in 2 Peter 1.16, John was not following cunningly devised fables. And I don't want you to follow that. Some of the even churches today that claim to be Christian churches are, are saying Jesus didn't even come in the flesh. Well, the Bible's very clear. Anyone that says that Jesus didn't come in the flesh is, is from the pit. Jesus came alive. Read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. It says, a body was prepared for him. Jesus had a regular body. We know. And John's going to go on and tell you some, some more things. Like, we have seen him with our own eyes in verse 1. Which we have looked at. Not only is he an eyewitness, but this tells him, I've seen him. I've seen him clearly. 
I know how he acts. I know what he says. I know how he talks. It's all about, about God. He was totally surrendered. He was God, which our eyes have seen, our own eyes. He wants you to know, I'm an eyewitness. This is not fake. You know that John the, ba- John the Apostle was boiled in oil. They tried to martyr him. He didn't die. It's kind of like the three Hoover children in the fire. They were thrown into the fire, but when, when Nebuchadnezzar, looked, I think it was Nebuchadnezzar, looked in there, he goes, there's four people in there. And they come out, they didn't even smell like smoke. And the guys that, that threw them in, they died because they threw them in. It was so hot. We saw him. He saw him. John wasn't following cleverly devised fables, and neither are you. This is truth. Jesus even said it. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. It's an absolute reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord. John saw him. He was boiled in oil. He, they couldn't die, so what was the what they tried to do? They exiled him to Patmos, where God just gave him a few more years to pen what we know as the book of Revelation, and which we, which we see the Lord all through it, which definitely shows you that Jesus Christ is God. That which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon. They looked upon him. The, the Greek word is theomaya, which means gazing with long, continuous gauges, uh, gazes. They did this for three and a half years minimum. Personally, I think Jesus walked the earth more than three and a half years of ministry. That's my personal opinion. They only judged that by there was like four major feasts that are written in the gospel. They figure, well, three Passovers and maybe another holiday. So they come up with about three and a half years. That doesn't mean that, that it was three and a half years. It's an assumption. John saw him every day for three plus years. Nothing is hearsay what John is telling you. Nothing is tradition here. Nothing is assumed. John was an eyewitness. Nothing is assumed. Jesus is real. That's what he's trying to tell us today. It was 2,000 years later almost, and it's still been dry, and it needs to be driven home who Jesus is. He's real. There's no doubt about it. He's not an imitation. He is the real thing. And here Koch thought they were. He's not an imitation. He's not imitation sugar. We have a lot of imitations in this world. Imitation chocolate, imitation sugar, imitation flowers, imitation milk, imitation religion in this world. We've got to wake up and realize who the Lord is. Biblical Christianity is real. It's genuine. It's sincere. There's nothing artificial about genuine Christianity. Jesus came to earth to communicate eternal life for you, to you, and to me. Eternal life, which is available through him and him alone. John is saying in these verses, this is true. 
I heard him, I seen him, I looked upon him. If you were with Jesus when he healed the blind man in John chapter 9, and you saw him heal the blind man, and you're sitting there going, you're gazing at Jesus and say, who is this man? Who is this man? He saw him, he looked upon him with his own eyes. He ate with him. He ate with him. He touched him. John, he leaned his, John was the disciple, he identifies himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. Now you know Jesus loved all the disciples, he loves you. But John said that because he, he actually got it. He actually knew Jesus loves me. He used to lay his hand, his head on Jesus' breast. He loved Jesus with all of his heart. He's going to tell you about this great God of ours because he walked with him. He talked with him. He, he looked upon him. He gazed upon him. He ate with him. He touched him. He handled him. And he was handling, he's telling us, in the, and still in the first verse, I handled the word of life. John handled the word of life. Wow. You know, there's times in your life when maybe you're praying or something, you feel the absolute presence of God. Sometimes you're scared to open your eyes. You feel the presence of God. Sometimes when I study, I mentioned it last week, I smell a fragrant aroma. And it's so such a beautiful aroma. When an imitation aroma comes to me, I recognize who that is too. Because nothing compares to the aroma of God. Touched him tangibly. He hugged him. I, I, I believe if I were walking with him, I'd be kissing him on the cheek. I kiss some of you on the cheeks with a holy kiss. I'd be kissing him on the cheek, hugging him, and not letting him go. I think that's the way John did it. He say, hey, Mary did it. Mary Magdalene in the garden. He said, Mary, quit touching me. I've got to descend to the Father yet. She just wasn't going to let him go. And that's the way we are in this life. We can't let him go. He's real. He's truth. They kissed him. Even Psalm 2 tells you to kiss the sun. Where did that come from? Kiss the sun. If you watched, uh, what's that that um, movie series? Uh, what's that called, honey? We watched Chosen. Chosen. You know, with uh, he was talking to Nicodemus in that scene, and they get up from the table after after Jesus was telling him about being born again. Get up from the table, and he goes up in the movie. He goes up and kisses Jesus. Jesus said, "Like what's that for?" He said, "The Bible, you know, the word says to kiss the son." He recognized the son. Now that's that's in the, a movie, not that's Hollywood, not the Bible. But he recognized that we need to kiss the son. You kiss him with a holy kiss. Blessed are they that put their faith in him. Jesus is real. He's not a myth. John has carefully studied him. He studied the eternal Son of God. John, in his gospel, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the word used there is logos, which just means God. 
not some figment of your imagination. It says he's the word of life. He's the eternal existent one. He lived forever. He wasn't born. He was born in the flesh so that he could walk among us. Remember Billy Graham was walking down the street with his two sons, I think, on, on, his, on, on his hands down the sidewalk, on his, holding his son's hands, and one of the boys stepped on an anthill. And they go, they, they go down and try to, try to help the, the ants come, you know, from, from being hurt. And Billy Graham said, here's a good spiritual lesson here. He said, son, we're much too big to go down there and help that little ant. We're going to have to become like him, them. So we just what Jesus did. God the Father decided he was going to become like man, and he's going to go down and help us in our reality of life so that we could understand who he is in a more, in a more personal and direct way. John's saying, please don't take this lightly. I saw him, I heard him, I touched him, I studied him. And even to this day, he's studying. And to the day he wrote his gospel and revelation, he was studying who the Lord was. Second John chapter 1, verse 17. For many deceivers have come into the world who do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Anybody tells you that Jesus never came to earth? or he was a spiritual entity and not a living body, then here's what it says about them. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Be careful. Be careful. When Jesus appeared to Thomas, John chapter 20, Thomas wasn't with him when Jesus appeared on, on Resurrection Sunday evening. Eight days later, Thomas is with him. Jesus appears in the room, and he says, touch me and see if I'm not real. See if I'm not flesh and bone. Okay? Jesus has come in the flesh. Anybody tells you difference is a deceiver and an antichrist. Strong words are coming from the word of God here. And that life in verse 2 was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you. John's telling us that life was manifested. The eternal life was manifested. There he was in the person of Jesus Christ, and we have seen and bear witness. And he says, we're, gonna de we're declaring this to you. He wants us today, 2,000 years later, to know this. He wants us to know that, that this is declared, that we've seen him. I bear witness of him. And it wasn't just John. It wasn't just John that bore witness of them. We got Matthew and John and Peter and Andrew and James and Philip and James Alphaeus and Lebius, which is Stavadius, and Simon the Canaanite. Who wants to mention Judas Iscariot? He saw him and rejected him. All 12 of the apostles, you know, were eyewitnesses to this. Maybe Mark and Luke, you know, you notice they weren't in the picture. They got their information from Paul and Peter. They probably didn't even meet Jesus. I would think the apostle Paul didn't know Jesus before, you know, but because he would have been of the same age area, 
and he was most likely a Pharisee, which the scripture tells us, and he might have been in the crowd that condemned Jesus. Who knows? But anyway, there's all 12 of them, and all 12 of these eyewitnesses went to their death as a martyr, as you well know, if you've been a Christian for any period of time. And not only that, let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, I believe we're going to start at. <clears throat> For I delivered to you, this is the Apostle Paul, has delivered to you, first of all, that which he also received. Another version says, I have delivered to you a a message of first importance. This is a message of first importance, the Bible, really, which he also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Peter and by the twelve apostles. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at that remain today, most of whom remain today, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James and all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as whom, as by one born out of due time. So now we see not only is there is there 12 eyewitnesses, the apostles, but there are now, if you total everything I just read, there are, i got it written down here somewhere, what I do with it? There's over 500 of them. 513, something like that. Listen, if you took 513 witnesses and put them on the witness stand and called them up, you know, I went up to give a testimony whether Jesus was alive in a courtroom, which says on the on the present on the on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now we have five hundred and three plus. If you took them and gave them five minutes to give testimony to Jesus Christ, they would, without any breaks, lunch or dinner, they would be. It would take them three and a half days or something like that to give testimony that Jesus is alive. And if you were a jury, you're going to say, he's alive. He's alive. And that's what's going on here today. We, we know, we Christians know that he's alive. And you know what? Jesus kind of rebuked Thomas. Thomas. You're, you're, you're happy because you see. He said, blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. And that's us today. That's us today. We haven't seen Jesus, but I'm going to show you a point as we move on. Oh, yes, you have seen Jesus. They touched with him. They walked with him. They, they ate with him. He even cooked fish for them. He told him to throw the net on the other side of the boat. Peter's there like we fished all night, Lord. You want me to throw the net on the other side of the boat? Just do it, Peter. 
throws it over on the other side of the boat. 153 fish, good sized fish. It was almost, it took, uh, it took a lot of people to bring them fish in. What is it? You know, when I go fishing, I sometimes do that. I say, well, there ain't no fish on this side. Let's try that side. You know, as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, even some of the Jews, the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw these things, they did believe. Paul says, or John says, we declare to you eternal life. And declare means to show you eternal life. Again, this is not a fairy tale. The Bible is not a book of fairy tales. It's not a book of stories. It's fact. And we have to get that through our skull. It's fact. You believe what the Word of God says, not what your, your denomination believes. You've got to believe what the Bible says. The Bible takes priority over everything. Everything. This is real. Jesus Christ did come in the flesh. It's written in Isaiah 7:14 that a virgin shall be with child and she will just to call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. Jesus is the eternal life. John 5:26 says this, for as the Father has life in himself so has he given to the Son to have eternal life in himself. He's just telling you I'm from everlasting John 6, 48, I am the bread of life, Jesus is telling the world, the people. John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He's the life. He's the resurrection. John 14, 6, he knows he's the way, the truth, and life. Nobody, nobody. A lot of people think they're going to get to heaven through uh, you know, St. Christopher. That ain't going to happen. St. Christopher was a sinner just like you. As a matter of fact, you're a saint if you believe in Jesus Christ. And I would tell anybody who wants to make a statue of me, forget it. Forget it. Because I'm not the eternal existent one Jesus Christ is. Without Jesus, in other words, you do not have eternal life. I don't care what denomination you belong to. Catholic, Protestant, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist. I don't care. You don't have eternal life. They saw him. They knew he was the eternal life. He healed the sick. He cleansed lepers. The blind saw. The lame walked. The deaf heard. The widow of Nain knew he must have been the Lord when he just walked over and raised her only son up from the dead as they carried him out to be buried. He was with the Father and was manifested to us. In other words, it was made clear to us who Jesus is. It's very clear who Jesus is in the Bible. He never, he always let you know who he was. You know what? All the great I am statements... I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. You know what? That Jesus was very clear, and I say it to you all the time, and that's something that we need to drive home. The Greek word is ego e me. 
He had seven I am statements. And what ego means is I, and he me means I am. So what Jesus was saying, so that you would understand it, I, I am the life. See, he points to himself. He was very clear as to who he was. He said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. He's made manifest to us. He was made obvious to us even today who have not seen him physically. Who else can walk on water? Peter? He did a couple foot problem, a couple feet. That's about it. Who else can make the lame walk and the moot speak and feed 5,000 people? Just, just 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So add 12,000 to that. Who else can feed them with a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread? Huh? Nobody. Nobody else in history can even come close to the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke to the wind and the sea, and it obeyed him. He talked to dead man after four days. He should have been run. I could give you a description of what a body would be like when it wasn't embalmed after four days. And you wouldn't like it. You'd be going running to the bathroom. But I'll tell you what, four days dead. Even Mary said, he's going to stink by now. Who else can raise a dead man four days? And that was his last major outgoing um, um, miracle. So that the scribes and the Pharisees could see that he's the Lord. Obviously, the Sanhedrin didn't agree. Who else could put 153 fish in my net? Who else can, we studied last week, who, or two weeks ago, who else can say to Peter, go to the creek, the Jordan, or the river, throw in a hook, catch a fish, the first fish you catch, pull out a coin from his mouth and go pay yours and my taxes. Now listen, he had to declare to the fish to swallow that coin. He had to have him there at the first one to take the bite out of Peter's hook. I mean, who else can do that? Not me. Believe me, I'd put a big sailfish on the end of my hook so I can cast them in, wind them in. No. Who else can walk out of a tomb after being dead for three days? Only one person. Christ himself is the chief manifestation of God's life and light and eternal life to mankind. They continued steadfast, uh, you know, and we, when actually we asked, did this last night at the, at the house, Acts 2.42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Some of these first believers, they heard Jesus speak. Some saw him speak. He saw him heal. They saw him calm storms. They saw him raise the dead. Some of them touched him. Maybe some of them were healed by him. Now they're bearing witness to him as to who he is, the Messiah. They are declaring the disciples and even the, the, the ones in the book that you read about the miracles and stuff, they're declaring to you the eternal life that's in Jesus Christ. They had fellowship 
with one another. And that's what people today don't, don't get. You know, they're, what can I say, after the COVID thing, nobody wants to go back out to church. This church isn't back where it used to be, and neither are a lot of churches in the area because I know a lot of the pastors. Their churches are not back. But they're forsaking Hebrews 10, 24, 25. They'll forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. You can't be assembling uh, together on the Internet if you're home in bed watching some preacher, which is great. I think you should get every scripture, good Bible preachers all the time. But you don't get fellowship. So you need to get back out to church and get and to fellowship with your brothers and sisters so they can encourage you, give you a holy kiss, tell you they, tell them, they can tell you they love you and they miss you and they pray for you. That's exhortation. We do it because, as I said last week, church is not an event that you attend. It's a family get-together. It's a family meeting. It's a family assembly. It's not a place where you, uh, as an event that you go to every Sunday at 10 a.m. It's a family meeting where we love on one another all the time. You know, we all share the same Lord. We all share the same love for Jesus. We share the, the same desires to worship. We share the same struggles we share the same victories. You know, you heard what this one person said. Hey, how's it go? A, a, um, a victory shared is doubled. Oh, I forgot what it is. But if it comes up, I'll remind you. They shared the same joy in communicating the gospel to one another. We just love fellowshipping with one another, talking about the Lord Jesus. I used to stay up till 3, 4 in the morning witnessing to people when I was younger. I'd go to bed at 5 and get up at 7 or 8 to go to work and be there by 9. As we were fired up for the Lord, and that's the way we should be even today. I watch the younger, couple, younger people coming to the Lord, and they have that same fire, and I love it. I sit there and go, Lord, you were working, and I didn't even notice it. They saw Jesus. They believed in Jesus. Thomas believed because he saw. But Jesus lightly rebuked him. You believe because you see me. Blessed is he who has not seen and yet believe. Have you heard him? Have you responded to his call? John. Chapter 15, verse 16 says this. For those over the internet here, too. You didn't choose me. I chose you. You were chosen by the king of all kings, the creator of the universe. You were chosen by him. It wasn't the president of the United States. It was the king of all kings. You were chosen by him. I hope you don't have a a self-esteem problem, because this should straighten you out right now. You've been chosen. When I was a kid, we used to play baseball in the elementary yard, and, you know, um, you'd have two captains, and you always want to be the first one picked because you know you were the best one. Well, God handpicked you. 
You're the best person for the job. God called you. You know what? Lucille or Nicole C. McMullen wrote a song. I guess she sang it. I don't know if she wrote it. Who taught the sun where to stand in the morning? And who taught the ocean it can only come this far? And who showed the moon where it's where to hide an evening? Whose words alone can catch a falling star? Well, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. All of creation testifies. This life within me cries. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I love it when she gets down to the end. She says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I know, I know. He lives, he lives, he lives. Yeah, yeah. I spoke with him this morning. He lives. I got to tell everybody. A lot of people say, God isn't real. You could say that's what Lucille McMullen said. Well, you say he isn't real, but I spoke to him this morning. You've heard him. You hear him every time you read the Bible, his voice. And I tell everybody, too, and you've heard this before. People come to me and the Lord doesn't speak to me. They just told me they don't read their Bible. Because in prior days, God spoke through the prophets. In these last days, he speaks through his son. This is the testimony of his son. This is his son, the word of God. God is patiently waiting for you out there. So come home. You say, I, have you seen him? Everybody in this room will play, no. Yes, you have. You've seen him. It's written in the Word of God, because that which is known about God is evident within you. For God made it evident to men. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen. Tell me you didn't see God. You see Him in a creation every single day. When the squirrel, the squirrel bounces from tree to tree, when the dog barks, when the sun moves through the sky, when the wind blows through the leaves of the tree, you see him being understood through what he, has, what he has made. So you are without excuse. You see God when you walk out that door and you see the, the, the uh, lake out there and you see the, the uh, trees and the birds flying by and the butterflies. You saw God. He's clearly seen in his creation. My question is, have you really looked for him? Have you? Have you really looked for him? He's that pearl of great price that's waiting to be found. We saw somebody talked about it last night. At, at we had a little Bible study and prayer session. And uh, it reminds me of the, the Jed Clampett. Beverly Hillbillies. He owned the land, but he shot into the ground and black gold came up. But if he didn't own the land, he would have ran out and bought that land for, for whatever he could get. He'd trade everything off to buy that land because the oil, the gems, the, the precious gold that was there that was black, he would have he did anything to get that land. And for you, God put a precious pearl before you that's his son, Jesus Christ. A lot of people say, I don't want it. And you'll pay the consequences for that. 
or rejection of Jesus Christ. He's the pearl of great price. He's giving you eternal life. Jeremiah says it. Proverbs says it. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Are you seeking him diligently? The disciples, over 500 people at one time, saw him. And they're declaring it to you. Why not? Why would you not seek him? Every time you get in trouble, I'll bet you pray. I remember a comedian, a Christian comedian years ago. He's a Vietnam vet. He said, a lot of the guys, and I've been there, so I know this is true. A lot of the guys will say they didn't, they didn't believe in God, but when the bombs start coming in and the mortars start falling, they jump into that foxhole, and then they look at the, then they grab the cross on their neck, or the, or the St. Christopher medal, or the Indian Harrowhead, and they, they believe, they believe. God has put it in every human being that there is a God. You just got to find who he is. And it's very clear who he is. Why not seek him? You, Jeremiah said it this way, Proverbs said it the way I just read it, but Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you who seek me and you will find me if you search for me with your whole heart, not with your head, but with your heart. You really want to know who God is. Jesus was seen before the resurrection, after the resurrection. And since every fact is the, the confirmed by two or three witnesses, you'd lose your life and be stoned to death in these days if you, if you, were, if you were found guilty. It only takes two or three, but we have 500 plus. Plus you have all the generations since then that have come and died and, and, and are, are sleeping in Christ right now. Their body's sleeping, but their spirit's with the Lord. Let me clarify that. You can turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 on that one. There it is. 514 witnesses we have. Listen, if you don't know Jesus is Lord, you ought to know him by now. Jesus said, Behold my hands and my feet, that it, that it is I myself. When they saw Jesus, the 12 disciples, when they saw Jesus, they knew it wasn't some figment of their imagination. They knew it was Jesus. And they went to their deaths telling about it. And there's people today, we get magazines, I bring them into church or they come to the church, Voice of the Martyrs in the back room. You can take one home and read them. It's amazing. People are getting saved all over the world. It is I myself... Handle me. See, for I am not, I am not a spirit. I am flesh and bone as you see me now. I'm going to end it there because we're at the end. I got more I could give you, but I'm not. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know him now. This is not a fairy tale. 
I don't sit up here every week and preach this stuff and lie to you. I'm telling you the truth because I know he's the truth. I've been a Christian for 43 years. I've seen people healed. I've seen people delivered from devils. I've seen, I've seen God at work. And I know he's real. And I want you to know he's real. So let's pray. For those of you that don't know the Lord, you can just call upon him right now. I don't need to lead you in a prayer. You just need to open up your heart, pray with all your heart, and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe he died for my sins. He was buried, and he is risen according to the scripture after three days. You can say, Holy Spirit, come into my life and make me the man or the woman that you want me to be. That's all you got to do, but with your whole heart. You don't have to say those exact words. You just got to use your heart. It's as simple as that. God doesn't look at your outward appearance. He don't care if you're beautiful or ugly, rich or poor, crippled or healthy. He cares about what conditions your heart in. So give him your heart today. Father God, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for being here among us. We thank you for your word that is so beautiful. We thank you for your son because he's the word and he is a beautiful and we love him with all of our heart. Help us to serve you in this world. Help us to surrender all to you as we started this message today. You take control of our lives. We surrender all to you, everything and nothing less, Lord. To you be the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all. Come on back. Those online, too. <laughs>